0: Happy Tuesday, listeners, and welcome back to Landline Podcast. It is still Tuesday on the East Coast. It is still Tuesday on the West Coast. It is still Tuesday in Hawaii, and it is Thursday in Australia. So that means I'm on time and you're listening to the podcast. Remember, leave us a message at 503-894-8480. Sorry for the delay. As you know, the Patriots lost, and I actually work for a living, so those two things superseded me posting this podcast prior to the second that you're listening to it now. Thanks for the support. Continue the energy. Nice chat with Giles tonight, our old friend. And the last piece of advice before we jump in is this is definitely a headphones episode. Sound quality... Is reflective of a transatlantic phone call on a landline from an iPhone. I blame the iPhone, but it is good enough. Uh, so don't stop listening now. Just plug a piece of headphones in, and I know you've got them because you order things on Amazon. More to come with that at the halftime break. No reading this week. We'll talk to you soon. Spread the word. Tell a friend 503 894 8480 is the landline. Enjoy!
1: to Landline Podcast. I'm your professional voiceover artist that Alex couldn't afford to pay. Instead, he's asked a friend, and I'm that friend, and he's very lucky to have me. On today's show, it's Cocktail Hour with Giles, featuring a Vermont hostel owner pretending to be European. Featuring a guy who's had, I don't know, a million jobs and still doesn't have the one he wants. You're listening to Landline. Landline. Hello. Oh, wow. Ah,
0: buonasera, Gilio Gilio Gilio. Come si chiama Giles in Italiano? Giles. Jess?
1: Giles. 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 Landline.
0: It's easy to be good in short spurts. It's hard to be good all the time. I'm good. I'm good. I, you know, it's like you have a kid and he, the interesting thing about having a baby is that you have the baby, but then like the baby doesn't go away. It's not like a vacation where you like do three weeks of having a baby and people bring you stuff and people stop by the house and it's fun. It's just, it's. I mean, there's nothing else that happens, hopefully, for the rest of your life until you die, like there is the responsibility of having a child. And that's what they say. That must be what they're talking about when they say everything changes when you have a child, Giles. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, life is I great. I behind that. Life is great, but uh, it's uh, it's just sort of a relentless onslaught. But...
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it continuously changes, too. That's the, uh, the kind of... Scary part is like you you in and you're like all right cool it's like this and then you realize that that's happening. Just next phase, here we go.
0: Now this morning it was the let's eat some Dr. Bronner's mint flavored soap phase. Um, I mean,
2: it and- is it is usable for toothpaste, isn't it? Doesn't it say that on the uh, the bottle somewhere and all those weird writings?
0: yeah in the somewhere in the four thousand words it does say you can brush your teeth with it, so that's exactly what I said by the way, and we've got the like half gallon size, which is seventeen dollars and I convinced myself that you should you know save by buying in bulk at the grocery store but um I basically my my parenting move there is he'll either throw up or have diarrhea to solve it. Or if he starts foaming at the mouth, we'll go to the hospital. Until that happens, I mean, what, what can I do? I just got to go back to my day, nothing, right?
2: Nothing. Nothing. Yeah, just got to keep moving. Just moving on.
0: Well, here we are. It's, are our, our, it's our first transatlantic podcast of, of this season or this iteration of Landline. One of our old-time favorites. Cocktail Hour with Giles. Given the nine-hour time difference from Portland, Oregon to Rome, Italy... We're not going to be yeah. make, making and drinking a cocktail today. It just doesn't meet both our schedules. But we will talk cocktails. We'll talk alcohol, as we always do. And uh we're so excited to have him back, one of our favorite guests. And we're going to talk technology. We're going to talk children and technology. We're going to check in on what it's like to move to Europe and – uh that's where we're at. I actually forgot to prepare anything that I wrote, so everyone on the podcast can dodge that for a week. I think that's probably to their benefit. There
3: you
0: go. But, um, jump right into it. Yeah, let's jump right into it. You Just tell us what was going on. You were living the dream in central Vermont, the owner of a ski hostel and manager, owner of oh. a bar restaurant. And now you've decided that that dream wasn't good enough to make everyone jealous, so you've Jumped ship, taken a steamer ship across the pond, and settled in Rome for a sabbatical. Tell us what's going on.
2: Uh, My wife uh, got an awesome internship at the um, American Academy in what's called the Rome Sustainable Food Kitchen, or the Rome Sustainable Food Project, I should say. And um, It's uh, an internship kind of learning kitchen, but they cook for all the fellows and visiting Intelligentsia of America, um, who are there anywhere between like a year, um, and they win what's called like the Rome Prize. And then there's people that come in for a week or two weeks or a month and whatever, and it's just um, kind of like a uh, home base for all the uh, writers and and musicians and artists and digital artists and any sort of thing that has to do with the arts, architecture, archaeology, um, and they just kind of hang out there and they get meals provided, and Sarah's one of the people cooking for them right now. So, uh, it's an,
0: Go ahead these people that are there they're they receive they're Americans who receive like some a, a pri- Fellowship, yeah a prize that is spend time in Rome doing what you've been doing so well already correct like
2: uh, one of Sarah's architecture professors um, was one of these guys um after we had met or whatever and he was saying basically they're like you just have to present something at the end if you win one of their own prizes and you can do anything you want I mean, it's pretty cool. There's a lot of really nice people, some really cool people, and um, she's enjoying it and learning a lot. And it's, um, it feels water's kitchen. Um, so it'll be, um, the food is based on, you the slow food movements and um, all that sort of stuff. So they're cooking everything seasonally, so they're not using any vegetables or fruits or anything that's out of season. They try to grow as much as their own produce. And if they don't, they, you know, obviously... Um, you know, sustainably sourced it and do all that stuff, um, which is kind of what we've been used to in Vermont for so long now. So, yeah. I, on the other hand, have gone from doing my thing in the winter, which is running the hospital and the bar and all that jazz, to taking care of our three and a half year old kid full time.
0: Holy shnikes. Well, that's a couple hours yeah. right there. So, getting back to the... I mean, come on. This is right. This is like a dead on hit for me. Alice Waters Kitchen in Rome cooking for. Mm-hmm. Intelligentsia, you apply for the program. seasonal. So now, does cooking in that program mean that you are the culinary equal to the person who wrote like a long form poem on comparing Dante and like the lower east no. the gentrification no. of the lower east side or That's what? The
2: thing is, they take they take people from all over the culinary. World. Um, so, like, my wife, although not a trained chef, has become an amazing home cook and, and you know, bar host and all that sort of stuff and, and chefs for our restaurant when we do a food bill and stuff. And she just applied, you know, and they're looking for people from all backgrounds. Like, one of the people, one of our interns this time is, um, like, a organic farmer from Montana, you know, and one of them is a, a lady from Ireland who's, you know, been in kitchens for a long time. And so it's very, you know, kind of all over and they look for different people who are going to bring different perspectives. You know, uh, it's apparently like you know we didn't know when she applied, but apparently it's like an extremely prestigious kitchen to work in, and um, a lot of a lot of people have gone on to open restaurants and write books and do all sorts of stuff. So we're um, we're grateful to have the opportunity.
0: All right, so if one if one wants to do that, if one wants to if one has the ability to just say f you to their current working for the man which you guys had like the least working for the man scenario of anyone I know and yet you decided that you had to get out of it which I love uh very landline but we were working for the man yeah you got you just got to go find, you have to find the new frontier to make sure that Correct. you're you're creating the edge that everyone is rubbing their face against so How do you, how are you guys sustaining? Like does she, she has a stipend or there's an apartment or not that I care that you're making money or not. It's more just like, okay, so you go to Rome. How does it work?
2: Um, So if one were to want to apply, you could probably just go to, I think it's RSFP.com. Rome Sustainable Food Project is what it's called again. Um, And basically she's, I think one of the first, and I don't think she's the first ever, but rarely do they have interns who have families and kids. So if you don't have families and kids, they provide housing, you get to eat out of the kitchen, like basically everything's provided, and you get a monthly stipend. Um, if you do have a family and kids, they're kind of like, well, they can't stay in the single dorm room that we are going to give you. So, uh, you know, you're kind of on your own. So we were able to find a really sweet place on Pistachio, um, which is like kind of one of the still authentic neighborhoods in downtown Rome. Um, it's on the southern side. And it's, um, yeah, the whole program is super cool. Like I said, lots of really cool people, and it's, um, you know, you should look into it. I, I think you would be like, wow, I would really like to do this.
0: So you guys have lived in Rome. In fact, you met in Rome, didn't you? We
2: did. We met in Rome in '06, and then we got married here in 2012, and yeah, we come back usually every year. It's, uh, it's like a second home.
0: But you're trying – I mean, this is like a, a temporary thing. You can't stay there afterwards. So do you feel like you wish you could just pull the band off and move to Rome? Or where are you mentally with that kind of thing? Because there are people like me who continually move back and forth from one place to another, unable to create the final existence that they're striving for at that moment in time but are kind of yeah. – you know keeping it on the back burner by yo yoing back and forth. I you know, I don't know obviously the internal politics of moving there permanently with family and kids and all of that, but what how do you exactly how do you install your love for a place that you can't be permanently because of reasons A, B, and C, the best to your ability for the long run, if that makes sense.
2: Yeah. No, it's kinda of like when you think about where you want to be in the long term and and what you know, what criteria need to be met in order to be, uh, what's the word happy with your living situation or whatever. I don't know if there's ever going to be one place that I'm like, yeah, I want to be there all the time. I don't, I, um, I don't feel like that works. I feel like there could be a couple places or maybe three places. Um, but it's all I think, relative to like what's going on in the moment in, in life and with family and, um, decision-making processes and all those things. It's, trying to figure out how to, like, answer the last part of that question where you're wondering what it's like to just jump ship. But it's not, you know, we didn't do anything drastic. Like we have a great management team at the hostel running things. The hostel's still running. Everything's fine. I haven't had to fly home, so obviously, like, you know, it's okay without us. I think it's the bigger of, like, figuring that, what, you, what are you looking for ultimately and figuring that out? And I don't know if you'll ever figure that out. And it's like when you... Uh, say so, like you, you struggle with you want to live and who you want to be around and whatever like obviously we'd all love to live in you know a place where our 100 best friends were all there and everybody was just hanging out and it was good times and whatever but like that's unfortunately life gets in the way of, of that sort of reality so
0: well it used to be when people like- when people lived in villages and never left but i don't think they thought that those were their favorite hundred friends it's so interesting yeah, like
2: but that was because of circumstances. I'm saying like if you could create a village somewhere, like that'd be pretty sweet.
0: <laughs> Except everyone would end up hating each other by the end of it, I bet. It's like the our our Probably. the human condition in twenty seventeen or twenty eighteen, whatever this is, is just constantly wishing for the situation to be different and then when you actually get there finding flaws with that as well. I mean, even with vacations I've gone on with people in the last few months it's like there was so much time and effort put into planning for it and then you got there and people weren't even actually like celebrating it the way that they think. Mm-hmm. they I mean there's more fun had planning planning vacations on text these days than when once oh. people get to the vacation they're just texting the whole time about work or about whatever's back at home or about if the dog's okay or Looking at plane tickets to the next place to go. I mean, it's a horrible disease that we have with technology and with our ability to fly places and our ability to always be looking at pictures of somebody in someplace else and that place is always cooler. And I mean, people are probably on this... the grass
2: is always greener.
0: Yeah, and the pe- and but I mean, never could the grass be so green elsewhere as when you're on a ski lift in Aspen looking at pictures of people in bikinis swimming in the Caribbean, right? I mean, there's it's like your mind is completely yeah. fucked. It's never good enough. We gone... you should have gone. We should have gone to, you know, Whistler, like there, there's like a chocolate tasting competition there. And why are we stuck in, you know, Mammoth instead? It's like, oh, my God, it's no, we're never going to win.
2: Mm. Yeah, you never, I don't think you can win. That's the point. And so you can either, you know, be satisfied with your existence or maybe strive for a better existence or like to reach that perfection or whatever. I don't know. I just don't think it's possible. Like, Sarah and I have talked about what places we'd want to live and wherever if we, you know, sold the hospital and left Vermont or whatever. And it's like there's only a few cities in the whole world that even meet all the criteria that we want, let alone that are in America or, you know what I mean? Like, it's a very, like, you kind of got to start thinking more, and especially now that we have kids, like, you got to start thinking more about, like, all right, so when is it completely necessary that he has a steady, permanent, whatever, location? You know what I mean? Yeah. And, you know, we, me and my wife both agree, like, middle school, that age, like, fourth, fifth grade is probably around the time where, like, permanent roots need to be set down for the next however many years it is until he's out of high school. Or if we had another kid until they're out of high school or whatever it is. For the benefit of them as human beings, knowing that, like, you know, obviously, if we had to move for some reason, you could do it. But, like, knowing that, like, stability through those years is probably the most important and the most um, beneficial with, like, having... Development occur, I'm not I'm not trying to say like better, but naturally or without you know the stresses of uprooting kids from their friends and family, how many times or whatever, or friends I guess, and then moving them. You know, you know what I mean?
0: I I do, and I'm interested in. I, I mean, my wife and I spend so much of our time just trying to be contrary because it's in our blood, and trying to basically say, well, we don't need to settle down and what we we don't need to do anything that anybody else tells us to and that that vision of how can we possibly roam or be untethered or do our own thing um and then ultimately still have functional kids who are socialized and have a normal lifestyle and blah 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 it's like we're trying to be like oh well, well we're gonna do it a different way but have normal kids at the end of it and you can't you can't you, no. you you can't have stabi- You can't have a house you're working on for your whole life, and the best yard, and you can't plant a garden, and you can't like teach your kids how to sled in every season, and look forward to the next treehouse you're gonna build, and also be a jet setting like city jumper who's living like somebody working in the foreign service like Julia Child's husband in the 1960s. It just doesn't work out. Yeah, exactly. But yet we have so much information that. It's possible because whether it's the availability of cheap debt or disposable income or because our generation isn't saving anything or we have never been told no by our parents or there's an extreme amount of wealth in their generation that will ultimately get passed down to a lot of us or we're banking on that and it won't. We don't have parameters for saying no, or at least maybe I'm just talking about myself, but I'm calling out a fair amount of the landline audience, I think, when I do that. I mean shit, we got to get niche with who we're appealing to before we start broadening the base. And believe it or not, I don't think a lot of, like, the housing project um, population is listening to this right now. So, um, and no dig on them. But, so, question going back, like, a tiny bit. So, you know, there's, I I know, at least personally, there's so much excitement when you're planning for something, like the move you guys made where you jump and go to Italy and you really do it. Mm -hmm. And that adrenaline for me of, like, Talking about the decision, discovering the opportunity, like going back and forth, talking about it, like doing it, telling all your friends you're going to do it, plan it, talking about how fun it's going to be, imagining what it's going to be like when you get there, like the warmth, the city, seeing old friends, I can't wait to go to this pizza place, I can't go, wait to go to this bar, this fountain, it's going to be so fun to have the kid in this environment, ba, 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 and then the reality of, it, of actually experiencing it, unless you're like Tom Brady or a Buddhist, so few of us are actually available to interact with that emotionally in a way that pays off on all that anticipation. So can you just talk us through any of the emotions you guys went through in that regard while you were preparing for this incredibly exciting opportunity and the decision to actually go forward with it?
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot. I mean, obviously having a business back home and all that is, you know, been on the forefront of, of our minds, my mind more so because I've just kind of taken over all the administrative stuff from afar, um, which has been fine. I think it's um, it's worked out well. It was more like you, when you're trying to like, make it a reality that you end up kind of setting yourself up to be like, oh, it's going to be like, because we've been here before and we've spent a significant amount of time here. Like I, I don't even know how many years in total, but it's got to be more than four or five. Um, and so like, there's a picture in our minds of how it's going to be and what we're going to be able to do. And, you know, you forget about seasons, you forget about like, oh, it's winter. So it's probably gonna be rainy and not nice. And although it has been kind of crappy weather wise, it's been pretty much amazing the whole time it's been like 60 and sunny five days, five days a week. Um, and getting through, I think like getting to the point where it becomes reality is when, all of a sudden you do realize that, like, oh, shit, this is a lot more intense than I thought it was going to be. Like, I you know, maybe I thought it was going to be a little bit more, like, jovial and fun and whatever, and, and it has been, you know, a, a great time. Don't get me wrong. but It's more like the parenting thing and being kind of a complete shit. Okay, dude, that's fine. Uh, sorry, we had an interruption from Mr. Finn.
0: Right um, when you said parenting, I love that. Great drop.
2: Yeah, thank you, thank you. Um, it's just a lot. Like I have, I have so much. Like I've always had respect for you know single moms and single dads and people who do this on their own and and still work and do all the crazy stuff that has to happen to like continue to live your life when you have a kid. Um, and like the amount of respect I have for just people in general who take care of kids full time is like through the roof at this point because just the level of patience and. The non-stop nature of like this age just because it just doesn't stop talking um and so it's just like you know a, from the moment he wakes up to the moment he goes to sleep a, a continuous uh, chatterbox of words and questions and phrases and it's great and we've been exploring the city a ton and he's at the right age where like he thinks all the statues are super cool and like finding pieces of the colossus all over the city has been a lot of fun I and mean, it's it's just parenting is hard man i don't know how else to put it like Trying to be a great parent and trying to do the right thing and knowing, especially like in this day and age that like you say where we have access to all this information. So if you have a question about parenting, you can go online, which you probably shouldn't because you're going to see a million reasons you should do something and a million reasons you shouldn't do something. And then you're going to be like, wait, what the fuck should I do? Um, that like, you have access to being able to interact with people and, and read about experiences and things that you're like, oh, okay, that's not the right thing to do or this is how I should approach this situation. And I think at the end, you're just trying to do the right thing by them, knowing that like, as the adult, you have to be the smarter and you have to look out for their interests. And you have to be uh, like the best example of you. You can be in front of them so that they understand like what you're trying to shape them into as a human being. Yeah. They're just like little, You're, you're miniature versions of yourself, you know?
0: It's uh, the, the whole access to information around parenting with technology, how, I guess my one p- major point of view on that, shocker, I mean, everyone knows where I'm going with this, but how more people don't assume that their intuition is actually more powerful than the internet is what is most disturbing to me, specifically I'm with the is- regard to parenting.
2: It's like the internet's become this weird, like, I don't want to call it a crutch for people who parent sometimes, but we'll be talking with other parents and they'll be like, well, I read online and it's like, as soon as you start a phrase like that, like, I don't even want to ask you what site you were on or what the credentials of the author were or anything. It's not even worth it at that point. Like, yeah, I
0: read, I read online that Donald Um, Trump had a 99% chance of losing and that there were WMDs in Iraq. So let's just start there.
2: Yeah. I mean... I think the best and, like, the most meaningful interactions I've had with, like, learning about parenting are when I'm with other parents who I know and love and appreciate and respect their opinion deeply, and I ask them a the question, and they give me a real answer. You know what I mean? Like, they don't go, oh, my God, you know, like, you've got to treat it like a piece of porcelain, and, and it's 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 going to be broken if you're not, you know, the most precious, caring, whatever, like, it, <laughs> you you get caught up in these ideas that like you are going to be a bad parent or like oh my god I got to keep this thing alive or whatever when in actuality like like you said your instincts kick in and like you've seen it with your wife I'm sure like all of a sudden she's just mom you're like holy shit what is this and it's like a new mode that is awesome and intense and so loving and like the amount of outpouring you see from her to the child is unbelievable and it's like oh my god like this is this is why women gravitate towards those jobs because they're amazing at this shit. You know what I mean? Like whatever it is their bodies are doing is making them amazing mothers. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Well, so the, th- the thing that popped in my head was, uh, Anna's mother, uh, Homer was, I don't know, probably three months old or something like that, even less. And we were down visiting them and, at sort of a a beachside situation, Hilton Head Island, let's just call it out, in a little condo in Hilton Head. And um, it was the first time, I think, that uh, we had really hung out with them after the baby was first born. But anyways, the point is this. There were moments where we were sort of like passing Homer off to her while we were making dinner or having a cocktail on the little porch or whatever it was, and we would sort of start giving her instructions. And she's a grandmother of – I think seven or eight boys at this point, And Homer yeah. was the youngest. And we we're kind of like telling her what to do. And like, he doesn't like this. He doesn't like that. Every single time we handed him to her, he was asleep in her arms, just like pancaked all like, like starfished on her chest within like three and a <laughs> half minutes. And you realize like, all right, this lady was born in, I don't know, the late thirties or early forties. Um, Nobody ever, like, sent her a mommy blog that also had a coupon for, like, a new We're snuggle magi- sack.
2: Magicians.
0: Exactly. And, and, and she just – she knows. And she's also the mother of five kids. And so, okay, that's an unfair comparison. But she definitely asked for help, and she definitely made mistakes, and she definitely didn't know exactly what to do all the time. But she also had to pay – the fuck attention, if that's a sentence. She had to pay attention to what her kids liked and didn't like because she didn't have a cell phone behind their heads, like, Googling what happens if my kid shits all over himself at 3 a.m. Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, he didn't eat something mm-hmm. good. So, you know, or if he can't go to sleep, he's not tired, or he's teething. I don't know. It's just, I mean, like, whatever. I, let, this this extends though to something that we, we said we were going to talk about, which is the use of technology... Not only in shaping our parenting, but in um, distracting us from or becoming a conduit for our parenting. And I wanted you to tell that story of the the family in the bar um, at the hostel that one time. And then we can just kind of transition into some of our own experiences. Because I, I can already see that I'm becoming what I said I wouldn't. And so there's definitely going to be some... Uh, you yeah. know, self-announcement of my hypocrisy on this episode. Hey guys, quick break to tell you to call the landline at 503-894-8480 as well as tell a friend about the show. This is word-to-mouth advertising and we will conquer the world through it. Not through technology. Which, by the way, wanted to add in a little feature every episode about landline in the news and by landline I mean technology in the news and why you should revert to your landline lifestyles of your previous childhood or life or whatever it happens to be. So here's a headline for you. If workers slack off, the wristband will know and Amazon has a patent for it. That's from CNBC.com in the last week. The company has won two patents for a wristband that could track workers' movements and breaks It was unclear if Amazon planned to actually manufacture the tracking device and have employees wear it. Amazon already has a reputation for a workplace culture that thrives on a hard-hitting management style. I don't know if you saw, but basically there was an article also this week that said that people who worked at Amazon warehouses absolutely hated themselves. Of course, they're all going to be replaced by robots and then be out of jobs completely, so I'm sure our world will be better then because Jeff Bezos is just going to give them universal health care through his new joint venture with Warren Buffett. You tell me. Here's an interesting paragraph. In theory, Amazon's proposed technology would emit ultrasonic sound pulses and radio transmissions to track where an employee's hands were in relation to inventory bins and provide haptic feedback to steer the worker toward the correct bin. Well, I like a world where warehouse workers are lazy and take too many breaks to smoke butts, talk about the game aimlessly, and complain about how they hate their jobs. Because ultimately, that's what warehouse workers should do. That's why they're warehouse workers. Because that's the kind of lifestyle they've chosen to live. One that doesn't demand excellence. And if we're demanding excellence at every step through technology monitoring i actually think we're losing what do you think you must think something about it because you're listening to landline podcast all right here's a great message from this week to show how great the support has been from you landline callers you can be like this message lever by calling 503-894-8480 thank you so much for calling thank you so much for engaging the show we need more people like you and after that back to the show
3: Hi, my name is Lisa, and I'm calling to set the record straight and to urge you to vote no on Measure 101. As a nurse and a union member, I believe the same scary TV ads and flyers in my mailbox that you've seen for Measure 101 proponents about what could happen if voters reject $330 million in new health care taxes. The YES campaign even submitted a voter's pamphlet statement on behalf of my family encouraging you to support Measure 101. But as a mom, I'm raising my kids to be independent thinkers. And the more I looked into Measure 101 and who's funding the campaign, insurance companies, and healthcare corporations, the more I realized I had been misled. I no longer believe 350,000 Oregonians will lose healthcare if you vote no on 101, and I do believe there are other ways to fund Medicaid for people like my daughter with special needs and the patients that I serve that don't involve taxing other people's health care to pay for it. We all need health care. Taxing it won't make it cheaper for anyone. Please vote no on Measure one hundred one.
2: So, so, like, caveat, like, my wife and I own a bar. so And I've been in the service industry for about, I don't even know, 17, 18 years. So I've seen a ton of shit. And I've also seen, like, technology enter into the restaurant world where it's, like, you walk past a restaurant the other day and it was like, we don't have Wi-Fi. So there was a family one time who came into the hostel for dinner. Um, and granted, they're on vacation. So you never know. Like, maybe this was a way. And, you know, you never know. By seeing somebody one time, you shouldn't judge. But um, why, uh, mother, father, wife... Our son, daughter, um, they sat down at a foretop, and before the parents had even sat down, they reached into backpacks and pulled out brand new iPads that were covered in stickers with the kids' names written on them. And it was clear that there was going to be no familial interaction between this family, uh, other than the, you know, the father and the mother talking to each other, but, but the kids, nothing. Um, and when the kids' turn to order came, nobody even paid attention. Like he didn't even realize that a waitress was there. I mean, it was it was kind of like, oh, this isn't exactly what the scenario is. Mom and dad are going to take us out to dinner, and we're going to sit on our iPads and play Minecraft or whatever the hell game it was they were playing.
0: Oh, you're telling me that Asperger's isn't something that you can only get coming out? You can actually learn it through an iPad, too. <laughs>
2: um, and so, you know, I was actually talking to one of uh, my old, my, I guess an old employer here in the city last night, and we were saying that it's really rare to see, um, you know, families come out anymore where a device isn't thrown in front of a kid, Um, and usually almost immediately. And I remember back, you know, like, and I'm sure you do too, like, going out to dinner back in the day was kind of like a a special thing, like a privilege, and you sat there and, you know, I don't know, or read a book or whatever, but, like, nobody had... This this complete, you know, it's like a treachery when people are on their cell phones at dinner.
0: Or, like, I mean, crayons, right? I mean, think about all the things that we're teaching kids to do. Crayons. You become an artist. You become a graffiti bastard. You, like, decide to become an architect or you just, like, learn how to draw dicks like Jonah Hill in uh, Superbad. Or, like, card games, or, you know, pocket checkers, cribbage, or that, like, little nail game that you would, like, hop the golf tees into the pegs where you're, like, trying to get as few pegs left. Or close the box with the dice and, the like, all of the, like, little flip-up things over the numbers. And, I mean, that stuff's going to come back because I guarantee that people already are so fatigued by the uh, way that the information on their cell phone makes them feel. If you're out to dinner with your kids and you pull out your cell phone you're either gonna find out something about work you're gonna get annoyed by somebody you know because they like posted on Facebook you're gonna find out like Trump like videotaped himself you know face fucking a porn star in the Oval Office and his approval rating went up you're going to figure out that you forgot something your bank account's gonna tell you you're poor it's all negative information You know, none of it is going to, like, make your dinner better. And I I honestly think people start being like, well, shit, if I just play, like, checkers with my kid at the table, it'll actually – it actually makes me feel more relaxed. Like, try it. I dare you guys to try it. But anyways, I totally bogarted the middle of your story.
2: No, 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 but it's fine because in that same sense – I, I feel like it was a couple of weeks later we had a family come in and uh, they sat down and nobody pulled out a phone all whole time and they were, you know, jovial and laughing and talked the whole time and, you know, clearly as a family had made the decision that they weren't doing a lot of technology at the table. And they seemed like they were having a whole lot more fun than the other family with the two kids on the iPads. Um,
0: what about in Italy? Like- what about restaurants in Italy? Like are people, is it America all over again with dark hair and, you know, cur- more curvaceous, um, tighter jeans or what's the story in Italy?
2: Yeah, I mean, the the technology thing here is, uh, I mean, it's kind of crazy. Everybody's, I mean, their phones aren't attached to their hands, but it's pretty seemingly close, especially anybody under the age of, like, 16 that has a cell phone. It's, I mean, I I was on the tram with my son coming back from the preschool or whatever, and I remember looking at, it at one point, there's probably 100 people on the tram, and there were only three people who didn't have phones in their hands. And the other two people, you know, were reading books or whatever. And it's it, it's just another distraction from dealing with either having to engage with people and like be a human being and talk and, you know, uh, figure out how to live in this world together. I don't, it's a weird, it's weird because like some of my most proud parenting moments since we've been here have been when we're out to restaurants and we go out, you know, we've always gone out with him, you know, him restaurant owners and people and whatever. And he's, I mean, extremely hyper-socialized in terms of those scenarios and with the belts and whatever. So I'll give him, you know, that credit for being awesome like that. But we don't almost ever bring a screen with us. It's literally, I, my wife and I were talking about it, maybe happened five times ever. Like, he doesn't even know how to open an iPad still. Like, he got shown that a month ago by somebody, and I was like, yeah, what are you doing? Um, you know, like, we bring out colored pencils and a, a notebook and a bunch of action figures, and he sits and plays, and... It's crazy, because we go to this one pizza place here, and a couple times now, we he, could he have been meeting, meeting him, it was the last time, the time before that be him and Sarah, and there was this old couple sitting next to us, and you could see when we showed up and sat down next to them, they were like, oh, fuck, you know, he was a young kid. they probably not, you know, like, whatever. I don't know what they were thinking, but their faces weren't pleased. And at the end of the meal, they looked at us, and they were like, my, he's unbelievable. Like, que bravissima. like, he played with his toys. He never asked for a phone. We never gave them a phone. Like, they were just in shock, and they were probably in their 60s, but for, like, somebody like that who we've never met, we didn't talk to them at all during, the- We weren't, you know, you know, we were having our own conversation or whatever, but for them just to go out of their way and say, like, good job, maybe. Like, that's, it's stuff like that, and you're like, oh, man, all right, I think I'm doing the right thing, you know what I mean? And you don't, as a parent, I think you get that affirmation as much as you want or as much as you think you should, but when you do get it, it's like, yes. Yeah,
0: K-K-Belissima, right, be- K-Belissima, so... So then that gets into – now, are you guys pulling your phones out? Because, like, I – you know, of course, I'm, like, a commandant about the phone. But then I'm breaking my own rules. Like, oh, I just need to check something. I just need to look something up. I just need to order some dinner. And I pull it out in front of the kid. And it's like, first, if he can't see the screen, it doesn't matter. But then that's even worse. It's like you're not even sharing in the use of the thing with the kid. It's like the kid is on the other side of this intermediary, which is this (laughs) black box that he has no idea – Plus, we live, I mean, you live further from your family, but we live 3,000 miles away from the core of our family, so it's like FaceTime is a, has to happen, apparently, at least with my sister. Mm-hmm. So are you guys FaceTiming?
2: Yeah, we FaceTime with people um, pretty regularly. You know, her, her parents, my parents, a couple times a week. Um, I was actually FaceTime with my brother earlier. He's in Montana, and... Um, yeah, no, like during dinners and stuff, we usually, at least as of, you know, as long as I can remember now if it's in, like, I normally just give my phone to my wife and she zips them both up in her purse and we don't bring them out. I mean, this time here has been a little different only because, um, with having to like do the administrative stuff with the hostel, I kind of have to be paying attention because it's seeming like the hours we would be out, um, for lunch or dinner. So like say two o'clock here or nine o'clock here or whatever, at the same times when most people send emails, which is like 8 or 9 a.m. or 3 or 4 p.m. Um, so, like, it's been a little bit harder for me to keep my phone out of my hand at dinner, but I'm not doing it very often. It's like if it's, it's a work email or something, i got to make a reservation or do do that. But, like, there's nothing that can't wait an hour. You know what I mean? Very rarely does anybody ever get a message that's like, oh, my God, I have to deal with this now. And then I'm sometimes in my life, it's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, work. And then I'm like, I could do this later. You
0: know right and that is just the the ultimate it's like the ultimate um self you know management whatever it's called where you're just uh you're just it, it's just basically you just have to um sorry i, I was looking something have else to read yeah self-control um you know it's just ultimately all about your ability to make self-control decisions, which apparently are very difficult for us.
2: Uh, Yeah, I mean, they always talk about that dopamine thing with likes and all that stuff. I guess that's all the new hot topic that everybody's talking about, that it's creating these unnatural, and I'm not a scientist, so I can't really go into any depth, but unnatural amounts of dopamine being produced based on likes and things that don't really exist or matter or shouldn't really matter that much but apparently do and are changing people's brainwaves and stuff. I don't know.
0: So I um, saw this kid yesterday. I was at a picking up a pizza at a place that um, is popular called Pizza Jerk. And a kid in front of me was getting soft serve. I don't know why on a January freezing cold day he was buying ice cream. But, um, you know, I guess to each their own. That's a whole nother podcast. I see these lines at these artisan ice cream places on in February. do I want to be like. Just can you just wait until the summer to eat ice cream? Is it that hard? Is it that important to eat ice cream all year round so you can like Instagram mm-hmm. yourself at a famous ice cream place? Anyways, he got a soft serve with <laughs> flavor flavor burst. Do you remember flavor burst from back in the day? It's like a disgusting yeah, the cor-
2: little gel strip. Yeah, the it's,
0: exactly. It's a corn syrup gel strip that goes up the uh, ridges of your soft serve cone. Pretty. So they were bringing it pretty old school with the uh, flavor burst and. Him and his dad go and that's all they get. They sit down at a booth, which I kind of thought was nice because they're getting their ice cream inside and sitting down and like having a moment. And then they just both pull out their $1,000 smartphones and they just sit there and both – play. he was probably 8 or 10. And again, it's the same question I asked 20 minutes ago. It doesn't even bother me that that's what they're doing. It bothers me that that guy that nobody has decided that this behavior that they're exhibiting in front of their child isn't okay. It's it's like it's so much easier to participate this way. So that's why they're doing it. But how do you do that 50 times in a row and not say to yourself, "You know what? I got to stop doing this." I you know. and and this is a, this is the question that keeps coming in my mind while you're talking. This goes back to people worried about parenting and consulting the internet. And how did anyone do this without the internet? And how how did anyone do anything without the internet, right? So Mm -hmm. do you, you know, this is a question for all the people in the world. Do you think you're a good person? And most of us, because we're egotistical, will say yes to that. So do you think you're a good person? Yes. Okay. What did your parent do? Your parent drove you around without a car seat, without a seatbelt, you know, force-fed peanut butter and fluff down your gullet with a funnel like you were a foie gras duck or goose, whatever it is. They, you know, basically threw you outside with your bike with no helmet and said, come back in three and a half hours. They let you... Ra- come back when it's dark. Yeah, they let you watch R-rated movies. They let you basically, like, stuff your face with, you know, corn syrup and disgusting cookie treats and, you know, fruit roll-ups and whatever. And I'm not advocating for that but at some level do you if you want your kid to become like you which I know is the obsessive goal of every single parent on planet earth maybe you should actually bring it back to 1983 when you were a kid and figure out what your parent was doing and it was a lot of walks and it was a lot of let's design a plastic rocket in the backyard and it was a lot of you know kind of doing craft projects or all helping out with the yard work or whatever it was have a catch yeah, exactly. And so I just don't get – that's the part that's strange to me. Do you want to turn your kid into a school shooter? Because here's how you do it. You give him a $1,300 phone. You let him exist only on the internet in some sort of like gaming world where he's got a bunch of you know people in Thailand that is that form his community. And you let him not have any social skills. And then ultimately when you start taking things away, he becomes angry and then he starts visiting like the you know the dark net or whatever is available. I mean obviously that's kind of a uh, kind of a, a fast acceleration into the worst possible scenario, but if you read the articles that are online, that's what's going on. Mhm. So, if dude, I,
2: it's it's kind of like um, it's happening right in front of us and it's easier to make an excuse that it's not happening and just Stay status quo than it is to be like, whoa, hold on a second. Am I really worried about X, Y, and Z when in fact what I need to be worried about is, you know, what's actually important and uh, the the continuing to maintain the human connection that exists between individuals. I don't know. It's a hard, it's a hard line to draw and be like, oh no, I'm not going to do this because like he texted me like. You can't even go to the bathroom without taking your phone, and it's like...
0: Right, I can't. I, can't, I literally can't poop without an iPhone in my hands. It's like my colon it's is become now... become
2: t- a one-stop shop. It's literally become everything that you had 30 years ago that were physical things, whether it be a video game console or a newspaper or a magazine or uh, watching a cable sports show or whatever. You can literally do everything on one piece of technology. And so your reliance on that one piece of technology has literally turned into, well, why wouldn't I rely on it? It can do everything. You know what I mean? Like Google it or Wiki it or whatever, like people say to each other when there's an argument, has probably solved way more, you know, like arguments than anybody ever thought it would. But has it also like stopped people from just having good conversation and figuring out things on their own instead of having to go to the internet for um, justification or validation or whatever it might be?
0: and not but then again it goes back to my point of of but it's actually not delivering the quality that people think they're getting so it is a one stop shop shop it's like a wizard device that came out of nowhere and our brains can't believe how powerful and easy it is to use but then the goals that you're accomplishing with it are actually not giving you the contentment that you think they're going to when you set out with the mission of using it. So now the the yeah. the, the areas where that's different are listening to this podcast, which I know gives, gives people incredible contentment and I know is largely done over the cell phone. So that for me is like a classic example of the world worlds that I want to exist clashing. Um, maps, the map function, even though I hate GPS and we could do an entire GPS segment or episode <laughs> and I should – um, I do think when you're like, for instance, planning a trip or trying to understand where you are using that the, the functionality of that map tool is so powerful with zooming in, zooming out, all that stuff, um, you know, obviously the connectivity and all that. But when you're searching for things, when you're looking up for things, when you're staying in contact with people, how often are you actually made safer or made yourself feel better when you can check in with the babysitter every 30 seconds around whether or not your kid is okay during a date like i will bet anybody a hundred dollars that they go out on a date with their wife and leave their kid at home no cell phone versus bringing the cell phone and checking in every 45 minutes that they will feel better i guess maybe they won't will they not is it true like am i wrong do people not feel better
2: Dude, we never bought a monitor for Finn, so I'll tell you that much. Yeah,
0: we don't like, use a monitor. We don't either. Have one of
2: those. We don't have one of those video things. Like, no, it was like, all right, he's, he, I don't know. You're like, you're you're bringing up a really great point because how do how do people think? You know, like how did you do it before? Your parents were just like, oh, well, here's a babysitter, and if something's wrong, they'll call because we'd leave the number to the restaurant.
0: Exactly. And
2: we, don't need, we know the number home if we need to call for
0: anything. And do you know the so number like, to the ambulance? worried
2: about having to check your phone, and you didn't have that ability to check your phone and whatever. Like, and it's, it's weird because it's become like, think about cell phones originally were just phones, and then it was phones and texting, and then it was phones texting cameras, and then it was phones texting cameras and videos, and then it was phones texting cameras and internet. And then after the internet section happened, now all of a sudden you have smartphones with apps. And you basically have shit that's like, a distraction from a distraction from a distraction from a distraction and it's an option and so you have 50 how many apps do you have on your phone 100 200 why and I know people have got pages and pages like holy Jesus Christ but if every single one is, is taking time away from you doing something else or you're giving time to something that isn't giving back to you you know what I mean like why I see parents we used to have parents come down to the bar sometimes and they'd have like baby monitors from the condos and I'm like what are you doing like Turn it down all the way, and it's like, something happens, you're 50 feet away, and your baby is in a crib, totally fine. Like, are you, do you watch it when it sleeps the whole time? Do you not sleep? Like, you got to kind of, at some point, let go, you Yeah, know? but
0: what if that kid cut off all of its clothes and then choked himself on it because they were so hungry, and the only thing they could eat were their pants, and they don't know how to chew yet because they don't have teeth, and so they're going to try to inhale their entire pair of pants, and then they're going to die, and you're not going to know about it, and the rest of your life is ruined.
2: You know what would happen? It would fall asleep. It would cry itself to sleep before any of that happened.
0: All right. Well, we have to. Move, to we have like, to. We have to move. I don't on.
2: mean, to be like rash,
0: but no, I know. I mean, that was a, that's a joke. It's a joke. Like, it, yeah. it, it, I guess I want give me some, give me some data. Give me a data sheet on how many kids died. With before baby monitors, how many babies have been saved by baby? How monitors? many babies
2: were born before baby monitors existed?
0: And then, how many babies have died because of texting and driving? Can we do? Can we do a yeah, n- I mean, net net calculation?
2: I bet it's I bet it's hundred to one texting to driving, <sighs> texting and driving over babies ripping their clothes off and inhaling them and dying.
0: All right, well, we have to move to cocktails at some point because people are just going to think that this is the most depressing podcast of all time. Or maybe that's what they come here for is for maybe actually. Why why is
2: it depressing? No,
0: what's interesting is I, I, I actually get really worried when the podcast. I'm like, okay, so what? People are pressing play on this podcast to just listen to me rail against cell phones again. And then I realize, well, wait a second. Everybody actually constantly uses cell phones and lives in a. Very cel- celebratory cell phone environment at twenty three other hours of their day, so maybe this is the one hour they look to the other side. I don't know. Um, yeah. So, but before we bridge to cocktails, just to go back to Rome because we haven't done enough Rome here. Um, I, you know, beyond, like, you're you're not going to describe Rome to everyone in a podcast and get them to go. This isn't a travel podcast, although if it was, maybe we would have passed Rick Steves by now. And by the way...
2: We definitely pass Rick Steves, by the
0: way. Uh, call 503-894-8480 and leave a message. And I swear to God, since the last podcast where I told everyone to do that, I haven't gotten any messages. Now, you might think that that means this is a dying podcast. It's not. I'm watching the numbers grow steadily, and I'm very encouraged by them and you have my commitment as listeners that I'll be here every week for a full year till I tell you that you're not good enough for me anymore but if you don't listen I excuse me if you don't uh leave a goddamn message on the landline like do you guys see the irony of what's going on you listen to a podcast called landline because you like the idea of somebody saying things about getting back to a time where life was a little bit different pre-cell phones and you don't have it in you to just dial up the fucking number on your cell phone which is on you right now and tell me that to shut up tell me that I'm awful tell me that I'm great give a landline topic answer a question like who do you think is the worst guest, who do you think is the best I mean Saul and Max have such bad sensitivity issues if you wanted to say something even mildly critical of their performances do you know how badly that will put them in a mental state, and how much content we can get out of that, so please, for the love of God, leave a message five oh three eight nine four eighty four eighty okay so the all I wanna ask you, Giles, not the Rick steves um sort of Rome, but you have you you met in Rome in oh six you you go back to Rome, you now are living in Rome for the first time in in several years for you know this long. This city that has so much history and so much magic and I've lived in for a short period of time and I love and I know about how easy it is to walk and how literally there's ruins around every corner. I mean there's the Coliseum, of course, and the Forum, but you can't go – you can't take a left turn without, an, without a you know thousand-year-old relic that has some incredible cultural significance in front of you. How has mm-hmm. the city changed for you given the rise of the internet and technology – since you first got there or do you think it's really you just getting older that's made the difference i mean can you kind of encompass that place because i would say nantucket which people i'm sure roll their eyes about because it has all these connotations of this rich and luxurious place but i have such a long history with going there as this completely unplugged part of my life where board games were the feature and the fireplace and the porch and sunsets were the best thing that happened every day and you rode your bike to get an ice cream cone, and the stars were incredible because we didn't have a cell phone, uh, a, a TV, or anything. And now you go back, and there's cell phones everywhere, and that has ultimately ruined a little part of Nantucket for me. So I'm just wondering about that for Rome, which is one of your most special places. Yeah. I mean, because oh. everyone has that place. Everyone has a place, a cabin in Maine or. Minnesota or a oh. beach in California that they've been going back to their whole lives or a special, you know, even just their family's home. And Life has changed yeah. with, with technology. It's omnipresent.
2: I mean, there's a lot in the last, I mean, since I started coming here in '04 when I did my first uh, study rub for a year, um, there were just a lot more mom-and-pop shops, a lot more like authentic Romans running authentic restaurants and charcuterie and whatever I mean whatever you, I mean, body, whatever you want to talk about and now you know vacant spaces are being filled with any markets and you know little bodega things and which is fine I mean I'm glad there's somebody in the space and it's not vacant and being used by bums or whatever um, but there's just been like a like it was one of the reasons we picked Astacio because it's still like an authentic Roman neighborhood in the sense that mostly Romans live here like not a whole lot of expats around like most of Finn and Minds interaction every day is all Italian and like the authenticity of being able to interact with real people, real Romans who will live here their whole lives. Um, is super and always has been super important to us, but like downtown and, and there's a culture kind of in general, you've seen like a lot of people and, and maybe rightfully so. And maybe I don't you know, obviously in other circumstances, but there's just been, like a lot of selling out in terms of, Somebody coming along being like, "Hey, I'll buy your business, or I'll buy your, you know, location or your spot or whatever," and these families sell out, and they kind of it seems like they do so sometimes because they need to buy their kid a smart car and a smartphone and some smart clothes and a smart watch, and it it just seems like there's this lack of understanding by a certain generation, and not like the ones who um, were born right after the war, kind of that middle generation before our time or whatever, where all they just want to do is make their kids happy. And they're being very short-sighted about long-term life decisions. And it's kind of like, diluted eluded the, the, the nature of the city as a whole. So it's just less, Like you have to seek out authenticity a lot more.
3: Even um, though...
2: They're... Every corner, every cafe, every whatever. And now, you know, like, and there's nothing wrong with talking to somebody who's not Italian or not Roman or whatever. But like, if you want to learn about the city and like, get to know a city you don't go to New York and talk to a dude who lived in Philadelphia and just moved there, you know what I mean? Like, you talk to somebody who lived in New York their whole life and knows the knows the lay of the land. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, but I- I'm confused. You're saying that there are way more authentic, like, sort of hipster, you know, meat shops and bakeries, but...
2: No, the... there aren't. There aren't.
0: Oh, wow. Is it
2: all the... No, 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 like, there's artisanal shit, and there's that kind of, like, generation of most people doing things, but on the level of the people who used to have, you know, like... A family restaurant or whatever, or a family any of those family businesses where they've just kind of been like, I don't want to do this anymore and they sell it not realizing like that's how your family's existed for hundreds of years and now what are you gonna do? And there's like this seemingly lack of of like original ownership and kind of that family like that, that the whole family thing with Italians that makes it like makes them steering and like makes uh the people like the Irish and the English look like cold, cold hearted as friendly people. You know what I mean?
0: I remember when I was traveling around uh, sort of like Germany, Czech Republic by myself in the winter after I was supposed to see a girlfriend who like had to go to rehab right before I went and visited her. That's a whole podcast on itself. But I was uh, like traveling around Eastern Europe by myself for 10 days. And I then finally made my way all the way back to, I think, Amsterdam to fly home. And it was really amazing how, as you got closer and closer geographically to the United States, how the United States became more and more of a cultural impact. And I can only imagine how that was, what, 2004, so we're now 14 years later, that basically with the EU and with globalization and with, you know, sort of celebrity money culture being so important to people, that there is especially in a city it's very difficult to feel that a city has its own unique cultural world on a sort of person to person communication level anymore mm-hmm. everyone is using like the the iPhone isn't only in New York and San Francisco and nobody uses you know i mean could you still do you still buy bus tickets at the tabacayo and like can you mm-hmm. st- Okay, so there's like there's still some elements of not everything is everything. Can you can you ride to Termini on uh, with your smartphone app? Can you use that stuff? To pay? Yeah.
2: Uh, I don't think so. I don't. I don't use it. I. I don't know. <laughs> Technology-wise, like I'm still kind of like not. I'm not up to the minute or up to date or. I don't really uh, follow the trends. I just kind of use my phone for what I need to use it for, which is basically email and. uh,
0: talking to people and Instagram right I'm just saying like I don't even
2: know if an app exists probably does like technology wise they're pretty forward here Um, I just wish
0: some places uh, stayed like shitty and didn't didn't have I mean Apple watches in Rome like there you go thanks everyone thanks for playing great job mm mm-hmm Great job. The original like Western civilization, the original empire is now colonized by Apple watches. I don't know if you ever saw that article on the now defunct Gawker, but it was a petition they sent around that they were making people sign that stated that they agreed to never have a sex with someone who had an Apple watch. It was one of my favorite articles (laughs) ever. So. All right. Well, let's uh, transition because we got to go here pretty soon. But um, if, if you and I were doing our regular routine, we'd be shaking up a cocktail right now and drinking it. In fact, talking to you makes me thirsty just thinking about it. Um,
2: I got, I got one for you. All right.
0: Tell us it's, it's early. Let me set the stage. It's early February. People are starting to wear off from their like promises of no drinking. Quick update. I talked to Saul off podcast a couple days ago and he gave up his, uh, alcohol free January around the 16th. So he's a hypocrite just like everybody else. Um, <laughs> It, has he forgiven you yet for hanging up on him? He has. He's Yeah, we're mending our fences. Um Good. But, uh, you know, you're, you probably don't want to go full-on, like, stout and bourbon weather because the holidays are over. But it's not time for, like, vodka Cosmos or Aperol Spritzes yet. We're not into, like, tulips and daffodils. So where do you go? Where are you going with late winter, early, early spring? I'm stuck on Amaro's. Okay, so it's, just explain uh, Amaro's because, you know, I don't think many people know what's going on with Amaro's.
2: So Amaro's, uh, think Jägermeister, same family. So it's like a, a, a liquor that is made with herbs or vegetables or any sort of thing that you can distill and pull uh, some kind of alcoholic flavor thing from. And around here, it's awesome because there are literally uh, dozens, if not hundreds, of different brands and all these AgroTurismos produce their own ones. And so you can end up drinking some pretty cool stuff and it spans, you know, from something as bitter and nasty as uh, like radishes, um, like a radish liqueur to, you know, your mouth or fernet or something in that family. Um, it's a little bit sweeter, but also it still has a bitterness. So I've been drinking a lot of amaros, and normally you just serve it either, you know, neat or over some rocks. And uh, some people like to put a lemon in it. One of my favorite brands is Averna, A-V-E-R-N-A. And uh, it's a, they're just fun. It's nice when the weather's a little chilly. They're kind of like it's like having a bourbon, but it's not as strong, and you don't really feel that burn nor need that amount of alcohol because they're usually lower proof. Um, I don't know, man. I've been, I've been getting into tomorrow's for a uh, better part of a decade now. And
0: they, Do you think Averna, Aver- never... Averna available in the U.S. probably, pretty simply, at like a good looking yeah. store?
2: Averna is probably the only other major one. You can probably get Montenegro in some places. That's a good one, a little bit less sweet. Um, Fernet is the most popular probably in the Acromaster. And, and um,
0: how much are we paying for, a you know, seven fifty of a Verna, you think? 25 bucks? 20
2: bucks maybe, $25. bucks.
0: right, and it should last you, you know, unless you're just going to chug Amaro's after work every day. You could probably get four or five weekends out of it, depending on what your bar looks oh, like. Oh, yeah, yeah. I
2: mean, you're talking like a one and a half on four is more
0: than enough. All right, cool. So now what's the cocktail, or is that it, on Rocks with Lemon?
2: Well, that's the thing is you can kind of go all over the place because when they have this bitter nature to them, you can start adding adding things to sweeten them up a little bit so they're not as offensive as some people would find them. So one thing I found, um, there's this brand called Cochi, C-O-C-C-H-I, and they make um, aperitivo-style liqueurs, and they make a bianco, and they make an americano, and they make a red one, and um, think like port, and that sort of sweetness, but really smooth, not as um, not as, as port, and they, they just, like, brighten things up a little bit. So I've been making um, an Amaro with this, uh, this cochi americano, uh, cochi, excuse me, cochi americano, and um, it's really nice. You add a little bit of soda water, like a slice of orange or something, and uh, serve it over the rocks, and it's fantastic. And it uh, still warms up a little bit, but it's also... And depending on how much water you add or soda water or whatever, you can lengthen it and make it last a little longer, or you can drink it without any soda water and sip it. And... They're super versatile, I guess, is what I'm getting at. And it's, um, it's always an adventure because every bar, you notice them, especially around here, like the, just the old, they're the old, old bottles on the shelves. It's kind of like when you go to Portugal and you're in Lisbon and all the old dusty bottles are all the port bottles from 100 years ago or whatever, and they literally have only been opened 10 times in that period.
0: It's pretty cool. So if we if we don't want to look like a douchebag who read about this on a blog, but we know Mm -hmm. we we can't pull off like the full-blooded seventy-three-year-old Italian man on his third wife drinking this, you know, in the proper setting outside with a uh, three-piece suit, et cetera, et cetera. Fedora. yeah, yeah. What, where, how are we properly administering this liquor to our lips? Like, how do we want to be just cool enough but not too cool with this? Is it 4.15 in the afternoon? Is it after dinner? Is it, you know, a, like, you know, wh- where, what is the pr- Kind of
2: both. It's kind of like that aperitivo drink that you want to do. Like, you're like, ah, I don't want to spritz because it's a little too sweet, but I want something that's not going to get me tanked up for dinner. But it's also the same as the Amaro's and stuff like that. Ben's getting a banana. Nice. So I'll go grab one. Um, yeah, no, they're, they're... They
0: have bananas in Italy? First
2: that you can, yeah, of course they have bananas in Italy. are <laughs> talking about? It's everything. It's Italy.
0: Um, all so right. There's
2: so, of different restaurants inside. And um, you you probably no, don't...
0: You don't get okay, drunk. Drink them whenever, you don't, that's
2: the whole... That's why I like them a lot. Is like they're... You know, Amaro's on their own without mixing them with anything are usually digestifs and drink it after the meal. But if you start mixing them with stuff, you can definitely drink them before...
0: All right, so once again, it's Amaro and then another liqueur, correct, with soda water?
2: Yeah, so any any um, yeah any sort of like sweeter, like you could use Aperol, you could use. Campari. Campari, I'm using this, this Cokey stuff.
0: But what is that? That's, you were talking about Cinzano Americano? or
2: Almost like a vermouth, almost like a vermouth. Right. Uh, an aromatized wine, appetitive wine, you know what I mean? So white port would even work. Um, anything that's got a little sweetness on it. Regular port would work, tawny.
0: Yum. It'll it pop- probably has a beautiful color to it as well.
2: Yeah, it's like this almost clear, but it's got a yellow kind of hay thing to it. It's nice. All, right.
0: All right, well, let's keep it to uh, to something simple for these idiots. So it's Verna, Aperol, oh. ice, soda water, and a nice um, wedge of Cara Cara orange in season. Beautiful color. And if you don't want Aperol, get Campari, or something in that area, speak to your local liquor uh, liquor purveyor for that. Um, exactly. Well, last question for you. What do you miss most about America?
2: What do I miss most about America? Um, I don't know. I'm not really missing America in that sense, like, oh, man, I really wish I could go to McDonald's or uh, watch SportsCenter Live or whatever. I don't know. I'm, I'm really just enjoying my time here with my kid and being able to explore the city with him, which has been super fun and will continue to be super fun, I hope. And I think, I don't know, man, I miss the beer a little bit just because the level of craft beer where we're living is crazy and there's always crazy fun stuff going around and some of the food um, you know being able to get different cuts of meats from the guys who live around us and the winter vegetables and things but you know you just kind of adapt over here and to be honest like yeah it's been a really excellent opportunity to just hang with my kid and get to do something that I don't think most people get to do and spend a, a significant amount of quality time at this age which is for both of us it's been a super awesome
0: experience And what's the story with Who cooks the dinner After Sarah gets home From a long day of cooking Like how does that work Because that's something That I know in my past Has been a problem When I've been cooking Difficult for someone Who's cooking professionally Who's also the superior Cook in the family To then produce some food When they get superior home
2: Superior in all I don't cook But just disclaimer I'm, I can make grilled cheese and eggs <laughs> And a few other things
0: And bananas You obviously are good at that And bananas
2: Yeah Yeah um, no, you know who's usually cooking? Insert, insert male or female Italian person name here. <laughs> when she's not working, we usually try to go out to dinner. Um, and I'll leave you with this. We've, we've been actually lucky enough uh, because one of our buddies, Marco Morello, who um, is a, kind of chef restaurant tour guy here and one of my longest friends in Rome, maybe my longest, um, has pointed us out to all these new awesome places. And there's one place called Tateria pinestri P-E-N-N-E-S-T-R-I. Um, And it's a place that they just do, like, classic Roman dishes, but they put a little twist on them, and they're using super fresh ingredients, and the owners are super nice, and the staff is great, and the wine list is great. And uh, they're a fantastic restaurant that I hope anybody who comes to Rome and listens to this will go visit and try because... Um, we've been there multiple times and haven't even been in, in the slightest bit disappointed in any way.
0: And how much are you getting out of that Here's place? What, what, like, how How? What are we talking about? Is that like 50 bucks a head? Like, is Italy cheap?
2: Yeah, Italy Food Lines is super cheap. Like, Where we would pay, you know, like Sarah was just showing me a restaurant menu for this new place, this Roman place that opened up in London, and plates of pasta were going for 22 pounds, and secondies were going starting at 42 pounds. And it's like here, you know, there's it, always that bu- budget traveler misconception. Like, oh, I'll go to the grocery store and I'll buy some bread and meat and cheese and I'll spend less than if I went out to a restaurant. But in fact, you could probably go down to the place underneath your Airbnb or whatever and get the best plate of carbonara for 10 bucks. Right. You yeah.
0: Know? And the and no work and no dishes and no $15 bottle of Correct. olive oil that you have to get. Right. And, and you With get to like...
2: Working five days a week and... And her schedule changes every week, which is crazy. So the only day she ever has off is Sunday fully. And then she gets one other day out of the other six. And then she could be five nights. She could be five mornings. She could be three and two. So, like, if she's working, um, we're usually going to go out and, and get food somewhere because it's a lot easier. And we love we love eating that. Like, we're, we're, we're definitely people who appreciate good food. And, and my wife, being the quality of a chef she is, um, we try to take advantage of that as much as possible. But I'm also not trying to burn her out in that sense.
0: Maybe we should talk to her on the podcast, get some Italian cooking tips.
2: I mean, she's she already hits it out of the park with most Italian dishes just from, you know, learning and using, doing the stuff at our restaurant and our Italian restaurant. I don't know, man. I'm excited to see what she's going to do after this because it could be any and everything.
0: All right. Well, people are going to hear this after the Super Bowl, um, but we want to know because, obviously, we're not trying to be sports radio as our previous two mediocre podcasts showed, Um Mm-hmm. What what uh? Where are you gonna watch? How how does somebody watch? And then do you have a prediction? And then I'll let you go.
2: I will watch down at the Abbey Theater, which is the very short here. here. Um, the manager that night has asked me to come down. And she's like, "Don't leave me alone, please." Uh, she's not American, obviously. And um,
0: so, what is? Are you working?
2: Uh, no, 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 no. I'm just gonna go down and watch.
0: And um, and uh, what time is it on? It's on at like. Some crazy time. It, it,
2: I think it starts at twelve thirty here.
0: And are you think you'll stay up the whole time?
2: I don't know. It depends on the score at halftime. But based on last year's score at halftime, not making a lick of difference in the result of the outcome, um, it might not matter either way. I don't know. And will they? I,
0: will there be Americanos I, there? Americani. I,
2: I, I love all you New Englanders, and uh, having lived there for the last nine years and whatever, like you, you, you get kind of a bad rap when it comes to. The sporting world because you've just been spoiled and it's not your fault. I will be 100% rooting against the Patriots. Um, however, after the Super Bowl win last year, uh, my friends from New England, uh, literally after they won and lifted the trophy, and I said, Congratulations on the 2018 Super Bowl. And they're like, What? And I'm like, Nobody is going to fucking beat you guys. It does not matter. I'm not sure why any of us watch anymore. Um, because look what happened. You're back in the Super Bowl. You're probably going to win it. And. Um, Congratulations! Like you guys, you guys deserve it. You have the best uh, overall sporting organization in maybe the history of sports, other than the Yankees during that stretch in the fifties and sixties or whatever.
0: That's what people. I mean, it's, 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 no wonder people hate us. If we're like the Yankees, that's the worst, worst compliment. But,
2: but what the what? What can you? Talk, no, nobody can say anything different. Like there that is no more argument about any of the questions in football, and that ended last year. Now you're just like adding insult to injury. You know what it, I mean?
0: It's. Uh, I mean,
2: yeah. This must have been, and maybe we're too young to appreciate this, this must have been how, like, every sports fan, football fan in the 8th <laughs> felt about the 49ers.
0: Yeah, not even, though. It, it's like there were there were chances. For no, the... but
2: just for that period of, of, you know, that four years or five years with the 49ers, like, Jesus Christ. You guys have been to the Super Bowl how many times since you lost to the Packers in 97?
0: Yeah, no, it's true. And? Yeah. Eight, uh no. Ninety six. Ninety six. We lost. Yeah. Ninety seven was probably the Super Bowl. No, it's oh one. Well, they've won five and they've lost two, so this is the eighth. And uh, then
2: they and they lost the one with Bledsoe in ninety seven against the Packers. Yeah,
0: exactly. Backo. So yeah, so nine. They've
2: been to nine in the last twenty years. Like that's, that's, it's said Like said in your last pod. Like it's a league that is designed to not make teams good year after year if they're good the year before. Like. The only chance any team had to beat you guys this year was if the Packers could pull their shit together and Aaron Rodgers broke his collarbone.
0: What do you drink when you go to a bar at 1230 for the first quarter of a Super Bowl?
2: I don't know. I'll probably end up hopefully just drinking cider or something that doesn't... You're just going to you're just gonna whiskey just, and get frustrated as to why the Patriots are winning thirty eight to nothing at a halftime. You're race. just
0: going to load up on a speed ball in the alley and just chain smoke cigarettes. Uh, That's the answer. Yeah,
2: just
0: watch, try, try to watch through the window outside. <laughs> All right, well, Giles, thank you so much for doing this. Let's make it again. No worries, man. Let's do it again soon. Let's do it on a Saturday, and I will have a morning cocktail. And um I, you know, yeah, I, I want to
2: talk to you about your your. um feelings about day drinking because I feel like you guys are totally misplacing what day drinking people love. We'll have a conversation about that next time.
0: All right, we should have done that this time, but we will next time. Oh, can't... okay,
2: we hadn't talked in a while.
0: All right, well, that's good. We wanted
2: to talk about parenting and that. And I'm glad we did. All
0: right, you're a very positive force on the podcast. Please don't lose that because we need it. You know, <laughs> your, your fearless host needs as much support as he can get. And by, while I mention that, call the fucking landline, you idiots, 503-894-8480. I swear to God. Um, I swear to God. All right, Giles, happy Friday. Happy Tuesday. We'll see you next Tuesday on Landline Podcast. And brother, thank you. Thanks for all the support. Keep telling friends. Keep spreading the word. We'll talk to you soon, buddy. Have, tell Finn and Sarah that we all say hello.
2: Yeah, you tell Anna and Homer we say hello as well.
0: All right, adios.
2: Adios, amigo. Cheers, brother. Ciao.
0: Ishii, we love you. Working every day, always been that way.
1: Now it's time to play. We're back again. Landline is hosted, written, and produced by Alex McKay. The best thing you can do to support the show is tell a friend. Don't We're back again. Music by the Pitchfork Revolution out of Bend, Oregon. Ichi, we love you. taking this show to the top, baby. You're listening to Landline.